This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents novelist Anthony Burgess reading from A Clockwork Orange, in which the characters speak a futuristic Russian-English slang he calls NADSAT. What's it going to be then, eh? There was me, that is Alex, and my three droogs, that is Pete, Georgie and Dim. Dim being really dim. And we sat in the Karova milk bar, making up our rasadox what to do with the evening. A flip, dark, chill winter bastard, though dry. The Karova milk bar was a milk plus mesto. And your mate or my brothers have forgotten what these mestos were like. Things changing so scorry these days, and nobody uh, very quick to remember. Newspapers not being read much neither. Well, what they sold there was milk plus something else. They had no license for selling liquor, but there was no law yet against prodding some of the new vestiges which they used to put into the old Moloko. So you could peat it with Velocet or Synthimesque or Drenchrom, or one or two other vestiges which would give you a nice, quiet, horror show of 15 minutes, admiring Bog and all his holy angels and saints in your left shoe, with lights bursting all over your mosque. Or you could peat milk with knives in it, as we used to say, and this would sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of dirty 20 to 1. And that was what we were peating this evening I'm starting off the story with. Our pockets were full of deng, so there was no real need, from the point of view of crasting any more pretty Polly, to tolchock some old Vec in an alley and vid him swim in his blood while we counted the takings and divided by four, nor to do the ultraviolent on some shivering, starry, grey-haired pizza in a shop, and go smacking off with the till's guts. But as they say, money isn't everything. The four of us were dressed in the height of fashion, which in those days was a pair of black, very tight tights with the old jelly mould, as we called it, fitting on the crotch underneath the tights. This bid to protect, and also a sort of a design you could very clear enough in a certain light, so that I had one in the shape of a spider, a feet and a, a ruka, and that is... Georgie had a very fancy one of a flower, and poor old Dim had a very hound and horny one of a clown's litso, face that is, Dim not ever having much of an idea of things, and being beyond all shadow of a doubt in Thomas, the dimmest of we four. Then we wore wasty jackets without lapels, but with these very big built-up shoulders, tretros we called them, which were a kind of a mockery of having real shoulders like that. Then my brothers... We had these off-white cravats which looked like whipped-up kartoffel or spud, with a sort of a design made on it with a fork. We wore our hair not too long, and we had flip horror show boots for kicking. What's it going to be then, eh? There were three divotchkas sitting at the counter altogether, but there were four of us, Malchicks, and it was usually like uh, one for all and all for one. These sharps were dressed in the height of fashion, too, with purple and green and orange wigs on their gullivers, each one not costing less than three or four weeks of those sharps' wages, I should reckon, and make-up to match, rainbows round the glasses, that is, and the rot painted very wide. Then they had long, black, very straight dresses, and on the groody part of them, they had little badges of like silver with different Malchick's names on them, Joe and Mike and such like. These were supposed to be the names of the... Different Malchicks they'd spatted with before they were fourteen. They kept looking our way, and I nearly felt like saying the three of us, out of the corner of my rock, that is, should go off for a bit of pole and 
leave poor old Dim behind, because it would be just a matter of coupetting Dim a demi-litre of white, but this time with a dollop of synthimask in it. But that wouldn't really have been plain like the game. Dim was very, very ugly, and like his name, but he was a horror show filthy fighter and very handy with the boots. What's it going to be, then, eh? The Chilovyek sitting next to me, there being this long, big, plushy seat that ran round three walls, was well away with his glassy glares and sort of burbling slobos like Aristotle, wishy-washy, worked outing, sicklemen get forficulate smartish. He was in the land, all right, well away, in orbit. And I knew what it was like. I've been tried it like everybody else had done. But at this time, I'd got to thinking it was a cowardly sort of a vesture for my brothers. You'd lay there after you'd drunk the old Molochow, and then you'd get the messel that everything all around you was sort of in the past. You could video it all right, all of it. Very clear. Tables, the stereo, the lights, the sharps and the malchicks. But it was like some vesture that used to be there, but was not there not no more. And you were sort of hypnotized by your boot or shoe or a fingernail, as it might be. And at the same time, you were sort of picked up by the old scruff and shook like you might be a cat. You got shook and shook till there was nothing left. You lost your name and your body and yourself and you just didn't care. And you waited till your boot or your fingernail got yellow, then yellower and yellower all the time. Then the light started cracking like atomics and the boot or fingernail or, as it might be, a, a bit of dirt on your trouser bottom turned into a big, big, big mess though, bigger than the whole world. And you were just going to get introduced to old Bog or God when it was all over. You came back to here and now, whimpering sort of, with your rot all squared up for a boo-hoo-hoo. Now, that's very nice, but very cowardly. You were not put on this earth just to get in touch with God. That sort of thing could sap all the strength and the goodness out of a Chilovnik. What's it going to be then, eh? The stereo was on, and you got the idea that the singer's goloss was moving from one part of the bar to another, flying up to the ceiling and then swooping down again and whizzing from wall to wall. It was Bertie Lasky rasping a real starry old he called You Blister My Paint. One of the three petitsas at the counter, the one with the green wig, kept pushing her belly out and pulling it in in time to what they call the music. I could feel the knives and the old Moloko starting to prick, and now I was ready for a bit of twenty to one. So I yelped, out, 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 like a doggy. And then I cracked this Beck who was sitting next to me, and well away, and burbling, a horror show crack on the Uko Oriero. But he didn't feel it, and went on with his telephonic hardware, and when the far, far Kulul gets rub-a-dub-dub, he'd feel it all right when he came to, out of the land... We're out, said Georgie. Oh, just to keep walking, I said, and Viddy what turns up, oh, my little brothers. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. 
This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents Anthony Burgess reading selections from A Clockwork Orange, for which he created a language that includes a unique vocabulary of violence. So we scattered out into the big winter notchie and walked down Marganita Boulevard and then turned into Boothby Avenue, and there we found what we were pretty well looking for, a malenky jest to start off the evening with. It was a, a doddery, starry, schoolmaster-type Vec, glasses on and his rot open to the cold, notchy air. He had books under his arm and a crappy umbrella and was coming round the corner from the public biblio, which not many ludies used those days. You never really saw many of the older bourgeois-type out after nightfall those days, what with a shortage of police and we fine young mal-chicky-wicks about. And this prof Cholovyek, was the only one walking in the old of the street, so we goolied up to him, very polite, and I said, Pardon me, brother. He looked a uh, malenky bit poodly when he vidded the four of us like that, coming up so quiet and polite and smiling, but he said, Yes, what is it? In a very loud teacher-type goloss, as if he was trying to show us he wasn't poogly. I said, I see you have books on your arm, brother. It is indeed a rare pleasure these days to come across somebody that still reads, brother. Oh, he said, all shaky, is it? Oh, I see. And he kept looking from one to the other of we four, finding himself now like in the middle of a, a very smiling and polite square. Yes, I said, it would interest me greatly, brother, if you would kindly allow me to see what books those are that you have under your arm. I like nothing better in this world than a good clean book, brother. Clean, he said. Clean, eh? And then Pete smacked those three books from him and handed them round real scorry. Being three, we all had one each to vidy at, except for Dim. The one I had was called Elementary Crystallography. So I opened it up and said, Excellent, really, first class. Keeping turning the pages. Then I said, in a very shocked type goloss, But what is this here? What is this filthy slovo? I blush to look at this word. You disappoint me, brother, you do, really. But, he cried, but, but. Now, said Georgie, here is what I should call real dirt. There's one Slovo beginning with an F and another with a C. He had a book called The Miracle of the Snowflake. Oh, said poor old Dim, smotting over Pete's shoulder and going too far like he always did. It says here what he done to her, and there's a picture and all. Why, he said, you're nothing but a, a filthy-minded old Skype bird. An old man of your age, brother, I said, and I started to rip up the book I'd got, and the others did the same with the ones they had. Dim and Pete doing a tug-of-war with the rhombohedral system. Uh, the starry prof type began to creak. But those are not mine. Those are the property of the municipality. This is sheer wantonness and vandal work or some such lovos. And he tried to sort of rest the books back off us, which was like pathetic. You deserve to be taught a lesson, brother, I said. That you do. This crystal book I had was very tough-bound and hard to razz-rest to bits been real starry and made in days when things were made to last like. But I managed to rip the pages up and chuck them in handfuls of light snowflakes, though big, all over this creature old Vec. And then the others did the same with hers. 
old Dim just dancing about like the clown he was. There you are, said Pete. There's the mackerel of the cornflake for you, you dirty reader of filth and nastiness. You naughty old vec, you, I said, and then we began to fill you about with him. Pete held his rookers, and Georgie sort of hooked his rot wide open for him, and Dim yanked out his false zoobies, upper and lower. He threw these down on the pavement, and then I treated them to the old boot crush, though they were hard bastards, like being made of some new horror show plastic stuff. The old Vec began to make sort of chumbling tunes. Woof, woof, woof. So Georgie let go of holding his goobers apart and just let him have one in the toothless rock with his ringy fist. And that made the old Vec start moaning a lot then. Then out comes the blood, my brother's real beautiful. So all we did then was to pull his outer platties off, stripping him down to his vest and long underpants. Very starry. Dim smacked his head off near. And then Pete kicks him lovely in his pot and we let him go. He went sort of staggering off. But not having been too hard of a tall shot, really, going, who, who, who? Not knowing where or what was what, really. And we had a snigger at him and then riffled through his pockets. Dim dancing round with his crappy umbrella, meanwhile. But there wasn't much in them. There were a, a few starry letters, some of them dating right back to 1960, with my dearest, dearest in them, and all that chapuka, and a key ring, and a starry, leaky pen. Old Dim gave up his umbrella dance, and, of course, had to start reading one of the letters out loud, like to show the empty street he could read. My darling one, he recited in this very high-type gloss, I shall be thinking of you while you are away and hope you will remember to wrap up warm when you go out at night. Then he let out a very shumnish smack, woo, 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 pretending to start wiping his yarmer with it. All right, I said, let it go, my brothers. In the trousers of this starry vec, there was only a malenky bit of cutter, money, that is, not more than three gollies. So we gave all his messy little coin the scatter treatment, it being hand-comb to the amount of pretty Polly we had on us already. Then we smashed the umbrella and raz-razzed his platies and gave them to the blowing winds, my brothers, and then we'd finished with the starry teacher-type Beck. We hadn't done much, I know, but that was only like the start of the evening, and I make no happy Polly loggies to thee or thine for that. Uh, the knives in the milk plus were stabbing away nice nor a show now. The next thing was to do the Sammy Act, which was one way to unload some of our cutter, so we'd have more of an incentive light for some shop crusting, as well as it being a way of buying an alibi in advance. So we went into the Duke of New York on Amy's Avenue, and sure enough in the snug, there were three or four old babuchkas peating their blackened suds on S.A. State aid, that is. Now, we were the very good Malchicks, smiling good even song to one and all, Though these wrinkled old lighters started to get all shook, their venial rookers all trembling round their glasses and making the suds spill on the table. Leave us be, lads, said one of them, her face all mappy with being a thousand years old. We're only poor old women. But we just made with the zoobies, flash, 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 sat down, rang the bell, and waited for the boy to come. When he came, all nervous, and rubbing his rookers on his grassy apron, we ordered us, Four veterans, a veteran being rum and cherry brandy mixed, which was popular just then, some liking a dash of lime in it, that being the Canadian variation. Then I said to the boy, Give these poor old babuchkas over there a nourishing something, large Scotchman all round and something to take away. And I poured my pocket of dang all over the table, and the other three did likewise for my brothers. So double fire goals were brought in for the scared, starry lighters, and they knew not what to do or say. One of them got out, thanks, lads, but you could see they thought there was something dirty-like coming. Anyway, 
They were each given a bottle of Yank General, cognac, that is, to take away, and I gave money for them to be delivered each a dozen of blackened suds that following morning, they to leave their stinking old Chinas addresses at the counter. Then with a cutter that was left over, we did purchase, my brothers, all the meat pies, pretzels, cheese snacks, crisps and chop bars in that mesto, and those two were for the old sharps. Then we said, back in a minute, and the old petitzas were still saying, thanks, lads, and God bless you, boys, and we were going out without one cent of cutter in our carmans. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Hopper Audio presents excerpts from A Clockwork Orange, read by author Anthony Burgess, who describes a grim industrial future. could pity that poor old Dim the Dim didn't quite pony all that, but he said nothing for fear of being called Gloopy and a domeless wonder boy. Well, we went off now round the corner to Ackley Avenue, and there was this sweets and cancers shop still open. We'd left them alone near three months now, and the old district had been very quiet on the whole, so the armed militants or Ross patrols weren't round there much, being more north of the river these days. We put our maskies on, new jobs these were, real horror show, wonderfully done really, they were like faces of historical personalities. They gave you their names when you bought. And I had Disraeli, Pete had Elvis Presley, Georgie had Henry VIII, and poor old Dim had a poet vet called P.B. Shelley. They were a real like disguise, hair and all, and there were some very special plastic vests, so you could roll it up when you're done with it and hide it in your boot. Then the three of us went in, Pete keeping Chasser without, not that there was anything to worry about out there. As soon as we launched on the shop, we went for Slouse, who ran it, a big port wine jelly of a Vec, who bidded at once what was coming and made straight for the inside where the telephone was and perhaps his well-oiled pushka, complete with six dirty rounds. Jim was round that corner, scurry as a bird, sending packets of snouty flying and cracking over a big cutout, showing a sharp with all her zoobies going flash at the customers and her groodies near hanging out, to advertise some new brand of cancers. What you could bid you then was a sort of a big ball rolling into the inside of the shop behind the curtain, this being old dim and slow sort of locked in a death struggle. Then you could slushy panting and snoring and kicking behind the curtain and vestures falling over and swearing and then glass going smash, smash, smash. Mother Slouse, the wife, was sort of froze behind the counter. We could tell she would screech murder given one chance, so I was round that counter very scurry and had a hold of her. And a horror show big lump she was, too, all nuking of scent and with flip-flop big bobbing groodies on her. 
I got my rook around her rock to stop her belting out death and destruction to the four winds of heaven. But this lady doggy gave me a large, foul, big bite on it. And it was me that did the creaching. And then she opened up beautiful with a flip yell for the Millicent's. Well, then she had to be tall-chocked proper with one of the weights for the scales. And then a fair tap with a crowbar they had for opening cases. And that brought the red out like an old friend. So we had her down on the floor and a rip of her platys for fun and a gentle bit of a boot to stop her moaning. And bidding her lying there with her groodies on show, I wondered should I or not. Well, that was for later on in the evening. Then we cleaned the till, and there was flip horror show takings that much, and we had a few packs of the very best top cancers apiece. Then off we went, my brothers. A real big, heavy, great bastard he was, Dim kept saying. I didn't like the look at Dim. He looked dirty and untidy, like a vet who'd been in a fight, which he had, of course. But you should never look as though you had been. His cravat was like someone had trampled on it. His mask he had been pulled off, and he had poor dirt on his lips. So, so we got him in an alleyway and tidied him up a malenky bit, soaking our tashtooks in spit to chase the dirt off. The things we did for old Dim. We were back in the Duke of New York, very scorry, and I reckon by my watch... We hadn't been more than ten minutes away. The starry old babuchkas were still there on the blackened sods, and Scotchmen we'd bought them, and we said, Hello there, girlies. What's it going to be? They started on the very kind, lads. God bless you, boys. And so we rang the collar call and brought a different waiter in this time, and we ordered beers with rum in it, being sore athirst, my brothers, and whatever the old ptits has wanted. Then I said to the old babuchkas, We haven't been out of here, have we? Been here all the time, haven't we? They all caught on real scurry and said, That's right, lads. Not been out of our sight, you haven't. God bless you, boys. Drinking. Not that it mattered much, really. About half an hour went by before there was any sign of life among the Millicents, and then it was only two very young Rosies that came in, very pink under their big copper schlemmies. One said, You lot know anything about the happenings at Stouse's shop this night? Us, I said, innocent. Why, what happened? Stealing and roughing. Two hospitalizations. Where have you lot been this evening? I don't go for that nasty tone, I said. I don't care much for these nasty insinuations. A very suspicious nature, all this betokeneth, my little brothers. They've been in here all night, lads. The old sharps started to creech out. God bless them, there's no better lot of boys living for kindness and generosity. Been here all the time, they have. Not seen them move, we haven't. We're only asking, said the other young Millicent. We got our job to do like anyone else. But they gave us the nasty warning look before they went out. As they were going out, we handed them a bit of lip music. <clears throat> but myself, I couldn't help a bit of disappointment at things as they were those days. Nothing to fight against, really. Everything as easy as kiss my shallies. Still, the night was still very young. When we got outside of the Duke of New York, we vidded by the main bar's long-lighted window a burbling old pianitza or drunkie, howling away at the filthy songs of his fathers and going blup, blup in between, as though it might be a filthy old orchestra in his stinking rotten guts. One best I could never stand was that. I could never stand to see a mooge all filthy and rolling and burping and drunk, whatever his age might be, but more especially... When he was real starry, like this one was, he was sort of flattened to the wall, and his platys were a disgrace, all creased and untidy and covered in cal and mud and filth and stuff. 
So we got hold of him and cracked him with a few good horror show tolchocks, but he still went on singing. The song went, And I will go back to my darling, my darling, when you, my darling, are gone. But when Dim fisted him a few times on his filthy drunkard's rot, he shut up singing and cited the creech, Go on! Do me in, you bastard cowards! I don't want to live anyway, not in a stinking world like this one! I told him to lay off a bit then, because it used to interest me sometimes to slushy what some of these starry decreps had to say about life and the world. I said, Oh, and what's stinking about it? He cried out, it's a stinking world because it lets the young get onto the old like you done and there's no law nor order no more. He was preaching out loud and waving his rookers and making real horror show with the slovos. Only the odd blurt, blurt coming from his kishkas like something was orbiting within. Or like some very rude interrupting sort of a mooge making a shoom. So this old vet kept sort of threatening it with his fists, shouting, It's no world for any old man any longer, and that means that I'm not one bit scared of you, my boyos, because I'm too drunk to feel the pain if you hit me, and if you kill me, I'll be glad to be dead. We smacked and then grinned, but said nothing, and then he said, What sort of a world is it at all? Men on the moon and men spinning round the earth like it might be midges round a lamp, and there's not no attention paid to earthly law nor order, not no more. So your worst you may do, you filthy, cowardly hooligans. Then he gave us some lip music. <laughs> like we'd done to those young militants. And then he started singing again. Oh, dear, dear land, I fought for thee and brought thee peace and victory. So we cracked into him, lovely, grinning all over our lip But he still went on singing. Then we tripped him so he laid down flat and heavy and a bucket load of beer vomit came whooshing out. That was disgusting. So we gave him the boot, one go each, and then it was blood, not song nor vomit, that came out of his filthy old rot. Then we went on our way. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Hopper Audio presents Anthony Burgess reading excerpts from A Clockwork Orange, in which he describes an anti-utopia of terror and alienated gangs. It was uh, round by the uh, municipal power plant that we came across Billy Boy and his five droobs. Now, in those days, my brothers, the teaming up was mostly by fours or fives, these being like auto teams, four being a, a comfy number for an auto, and six being the outside limit for gang size. Sometimes gangs would gang up so as to make, like, Melenki armies for big night war, but mostly it was best to roam in these, like, small numbers. 
Billy Boy it was something that made me want to sick, just a vidy, his fat, grinning lips, so, and he, he always had this von of very stale oil that's been used for frying over and over, even when he was dressed in his best platies, like now. They viried us just as we viried them. And there was like a very quiet kind of watch in each other now. This would be real, this would be proper, this would be the Norge, the Uzi, the Britva, not just fisties and boots. Billy Boy and his droogs stopped what they were doing, which was just getting ready to perform something on a weepy young Duvotchka that they had there, not more than ten, she creeching away but with her platies still on, Billy Boy holding her by one ruka and his number one, Leo, holding the other. They'd probably just been doing the dirty slobo part of the act before getting down to a malenky bit of ultraviolence. When the videos are coming, they, they let go of this boo-hooing little ptitsa. There'd been plenty more where she came from, and she ran with her thin white legs flashing through the dark, still going, Oh, oh, oh! I said, smiling very wide and droogy, Well, if it isn't fat-stinking billy-goat billy-boy in poison, how art thou, thou globby bottle of cheap stinking chip oil? Come and get one of the yarbles, if you have any yarbles, you eunuch jelly, thou. And then we started. There were four of us to six of them, like I have already indicated, but poor old Dim, for all his dimness, was worth three of the others in sheer madness and dirty fighting. Dim had a real horrisho length of oozy or chain round his waist, twice wound round, and he unwound this and began to swing it beautifully in the eyes or glasses. Pete and Georgie had good sharp noshes, but I, for my own part, had a fine, starry, horrisho, cutthroat Britta which at that, at that time I, I could flash and shine artistic. So there we were, dratsing away in the dark, the old lunar with men on it just coming up, the star stabbing away as it might be knives, anxious to join in the dratsing. With my Britva, I managed to slip right down the front of one of Billy Boy's droog's platies. Very neat, very, very neat, but not even touching the plot under the cloth. Then in the dratsing, this droog of Billy Boy suddenly found himself all opened up like a peapod, with his belly bare and his poor old yarble showing. And then he got very, very razdraz, waving and screaming and losing his guard and letting in old Dim with his chain snaking. So that old Dim chained him right in the glasses, and this droog of Billy Boy's went tottering off and owling his heart out. We were doing very horror show. And soon we had Billy Boy's number one down underfoot, blinded with old Dim's chain and crawling and howling about like an animal. But with one fair boot on the Gulliver, it was out and out and out. Though the four of us, Dim, as usual, came out the worst in point of looks, that is to say, his litzo was all blooded and his platies a dirty mess, but the others of us were still cool and whole. It was stinking fatty Billy Boy I wanted now, and there I was, dancing about with my Britva like, like I might be a barber on, on board a ship on a very rough sea, trying to get in at him with a few fair slashes on his unclean, oily litso. Billy Boy had a nodge, a long flick type, but he was a malenky bit too slow and heavy in his movements to bred anyone real bad. And my brothers, it was real satisfaction to me to waltz left two, three, right two, three, left two, three, right two, three and carve left cheeky and right cheeky, so that like two curtains of blood seemed to pour out at the same time, one on either side of his fat, filthy, oily snout in the winter starlight. Down this blood poured in like red curtains, but you could vidy Billy Boy felt not a thing, and he went lumbering on like a filthy, fatty bear, poking at me with his nudge. 
Then we slushed the sirens and knew the Millicents were coming with pushkas pushing out of the police auto windows at the ready. That little weepity boxka had told them, no doubt, there being a box for calling the Rosies not too far behind the Muni power plant. Get you soon, fear not, I call, stinking billy goat. I'll have your yarbles off lovely. And off they ran, slow and panting, except for number one, Leo, snoring on the ground, away north towards the river, and we went the other way. Just round the next turning was an alley, dark and empty and open at both ends, and we rested there, panting fast, then slower, then breathing like normal. It was like, like resting between the feet of two terrific and very enormous mountains, these being the flat blocks, and in the windows of all the flats you could very like blue dancing light. This would be the telly. Tonight was what they called a world cast, meaning that the same programme was being vidded by everybody in the world that wanted to, that being mostly the, the middle-aged, middle-class ludies. There would be some big, famous, stupid comic chaviek or black singer, and it was all being bounced off the special tele-satellites in outer space, my brothers. We waited, panting, and we could slushy the sirening Millicent's going east, so we knew we were all right now. But poor old Dim kept looking up at the stars and planets and the lunar with his rot wide open like a kid who'd never vidded any such thing before. And he said, what's on them, I wonder? What would be up there on things like that? I nudged him hard, saying, come, gloopy bastard as thou art, think thou not on them. There'll be life, like down here, most likely, with some getting knifed and others doing the knifing. And now, with a notchy still molodoy, let us be on our way, O my brothers. The other smecked at this, but poor old Dim looked at me serious. They're up again at the stars and the lunar. So we went on our way down the alley, with the world cast blueing on on either side. What we needed now was an auto. So we turned left, coming out of the alley, knowing right away we were in priestly place, as soon as we vidded the big bronze statue of some starry poet with an apy upper lip and a pipe stuck in a droopy old rot. Going north, we came to the filthy old filmdrome, peeling and dropping to bits, uh, through nobody going there much, except malchicks like me and my droogs, and then only for a yell or a razrez or a bit of in-out, in-out in the dark. We could vidy from the poster on the filmdrome's face a couple of fly-dirtied spots trained on it that there was the usual cowboy riot, with the archangels on the side of the U.S. Marshal sick-shooting at the rustlers out of L's fighting legions, the kind of hound and horny vesh put out by state film in those days. The autos parked by the cine they weren't all that horror show, crappy, starry vestiges, most of them, but there was a newish Durango 95 that I thought might do. Georgie had one of these polyclefts, as they call them, on his key ring, so we were soon aboard, dim and peaked at the back, puffing away lordly at their cancers, and I turned on the ignition and started her up, and she grumbled away real horror show. A nice, warm, vibrating feeling, grumbling all through your guffy watts. Then I made with an ogre, and we backed out lovely, and nobody vidded us take off. We filled round what was called the back town for a bit, scaring old vex and chinas that were crossing the roads and zigzagging after cats and that. Then we took the road west. This has been Harper Audio. HarperCollins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kHz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. 
It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet.